Everybody, it's your boy Jordan, and this is Desmond, and welcome to episode 112 of Two Black Nerds. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at Two Black nerds.com go check out our nerds of the night collection inspired by the batman we got t-shirts crewnecks hoodie stickers mugs and tote bags so go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show we're diving into episode five of marvel studios moon knight we'll recap our thoughts on all of the major reveals and developments that occurred this week and whether or not the penultimate episode successfully set the stage for next week's finale but before we get to any and all of that we're kicking off this podcast with a discussion of some news items from the world of Sony and Marvel. So for those that are listening that do not know, currently what's happening right now in Las Vegas, I believe, is CinemaCon, which is the annual convention for movie theater owners. So CinemaCon actually just recently took place in August of 2021. It was delayed from when it's typically scheduled because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it usually occurs around this time every year in the springtime in April. And so they've reconvened in Las Vegas and all of the major movie studios make their presence known at CinemaCon. They attend this They attend this convention to unveil new projects and new movies and films that will be debuting in theaters over the course of the next year or two. And so, of course, Sony was present at this convention. They kicked off everything. I believe they were the first major movie studio to present their upcoming slate of new announcements. And we found out some very, very interesting things. So to start off with, I want to start off with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse because we actually just talked about that movie on yeah. Tuesday's episode of the pod because we found out that it was going to be delayed eight months. Well, I think we actually might have some clarity as to why it might have been delayed mm-hmm. so long, and that's really because of the ambition and the scope of the movie. So we found out directly from producers Chris Lord and Phil Miller that this movie is going to have the largest crew ever for an animated movie with over 1,000 people working on it. Also, the film's going to take place across six different universes, and it has 200 and 40 characters, 240 characters that'll be included in Across the Spider-Verse. Also, Part 2 has been renamed. It's no longer Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 2. It will now be named Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. So they've even renamed the, the two movies at this point. And that mm-hmm. film will be released March 29th, 2024. So a little bit under a year before Across the Spider-Verse comes to us next year in 2023. So some very interesting things. Also read some tweets and some reports that they played some footage of the first 15 minutes or so of the movie, which Lord and Miller were very honest about was not finished. There were some moments in those clips that were sketches. They hadn't mm-hmm. been fully animated yet. So very rough footage, but all positive reactions from what I saw. And there was even the inclusion of Vulture in some of those scenes, a fight between Vulture and Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen. So some stuff to very much be excited about here. What are your thoughts on just hearing about all of these developments with the cross divide Spider-Verse, just the fact that it looks like it's going to be one of the most, if not the most ambitious animated movies mm-hmm. we've ever seen. It doesn't surprise me at all. Again, I think they set out to do something so different with Into the Spider-Verse in the first place that now I think they understand the the story that they can make and the worlds that they can create. But not only that, but the worlds that they can collide, right? 240 characters is insane. I don't even know what that means. Do I even know 240 Spider-Man characters? I'm not sure. I maybe <laughs> know like... 25 different Spider-Man, yeah, possibly, but 240? Oh, man. I mean, that's that's actually <laughs> saying something it's else. pretty wild. It's pretty insane. And so, you know, it, even you telling us that straight up, I'm sure people are like, okay, I'm going to go make a list of 240 Spider-anything that I can come up with. And I guarantee you, a lot of people are going to come up short because that is it's just an insane number. Um, but I love the ambition. I really do, man. I think we're, we're in a time where animation 
is really just knocking the socks off of a lot of different things and, um, and understanding the things that you can do in animation that you can't do in live action. And I'm happy that they're, that they're really putting their foot out um, and, and willing to take the risk in order to, to give us something like this. Um, I, I also love the name Beyond the Spider-Verse. That's really cool to me. Um, it sounds good. Uh, the whole trilogy is going to be just really cool sounding at the end of the day, but um, it, it really is a cool title. I think that I'm, I'm, I'm also excited for because they are putting us in this world of, of the Spider-Verse. So what does it mean to even be beyond? What is, what, you know, so that's, that's also something to ponder again for the next couple years until the movie comes out. But yeah, overall, I'm just super excited to hear about all this. Uh, like I, like we suggested before, a lot of stuff just isn't finished <laughs> with, with the, um, across the Spider-Verse movie, uh, it makes sense, man, that they're that they're pushing it back because I think their vision has also grown as this movie has grown, as Across the Spider Verse has been in production. I just feel like that uh, as in the middle of it, people have had realizations and they're like, "Man, we could do this, this, and this," and that's another reason, you know, that that it it, it gets pushed back because the scope has become that much larger. So uh, again, just happy to be here as a Spider Man fan. Um, I think it's gonna we got a lot in store for us here coming in the future. This is this is nuts, honestly. The fact that they have 240 characters. I mean, for for context, I remember before Avengers Endgame came out, the Russo brothers had confirmed, like, yeah, they they had to really figure out how to weave seamlessly about 70 some odd characters into that movie, seven zero, and that was already <laughs> a ton of characters. Like, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of different storylines and different you know components to the to the movie that you have to really account for. And then you hear 240, which is like. Not great at math. It's like what three times the amount, two times, I, you know, something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like they're just gonna go all in and find every character within the Spider-Man canon that they can include in this movie. It's actually kind of ridiculous. And I know Sony with this licensing of the Spider-Man character that they've had access to for the past twenty years, they've always touted that they've had somewhere in the vein of eight to nine hundred different Spider-Man characters that they could pull mm. from. Well, I mean, this animated movie is going to use, you know, a third of them at this point. And <laughs> I'm all here for it because I'm sure most of them won't have major appearances. There's probably mm-hmm. going to be a lot of quick looks at, at at many of these many of these different characters. But listen, man, it's going to be dope. And like six different universes is also very intriguing because they've also hinted that every single universe that will be included in the movie is going to have its own unique animation style, which that in and of itself is super ambitious because you have to mm-hmm. do something wildly different compared to every universe. It can't all look the same because you want to make it, you want to make it, you know, really unique and, and and have its own signature style. So I think that overall, now that I heard this stuff, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's definitely some, uh, some good spin on the announcement. Like the fact that they got delayed, this is a nice way to mm-hmm. come out and say like, well, wait a second. It's a delay for a good reason. Look at all yeah. of this stuff we're going to have in the movie. So it was great timing on their part. Um, mm-hmm. A pretty brilliant move to make this happen. I'm still sad about eight months, you know, for it to be delayed. Ooh. But yeah. ultimately, when you look at this information, it's like, well, hey, when we get it, when we finally do get this movie, it sounds like it's going to be just ridiculous. And like I said on Twitter, with 240 characters, six different universes, a crew of over a thousand this might mm-hmm. make Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness look like arena football at this point. So we're going to have to see how this movie shakes out. Uh, and other news from Sony, though. We just got a new, brand new film announcement. Because, again, we were talking about what's next for Sony, specifically in mm-hmm. live action. Well, they're not slowing down. It looks like Bad Bunny is going to be the newest Marvel superhero because he has been cast as El Muerto, who is going to be leading a standalone film for Sony. The movie's set to hit theaters January 12th, 2024. Bad Bunny, obviously a extremely, extremely popular rapper from Puerto Rico. We've talked about Bad Bunny on this show primarily because of his professional wrestling career and how <laughs> impressive he's been there and his fandom and just all the great work he's been doing with WWE over the past year or so. But here now he's getting into Hollywood. We know that he's going to be in Bullet Train later this year. Yeah, he's going to have at least a moment in there with Brad Pitt based off of the trailers. So this man is really just out here. He's making... Just so many moves. He's on an incredible run. And then when you look up the character of El, El Muerto, it's like, oh, well, that actually makes a lot of sense because the character mm-hmm. is a professional wrestler, which is something Bad Bunny is extremely passionate about. The character gets his powers from a luchador mask that's passed down from generation to generation within his family. And he's also typically been associated as being an anti-hero slash villain of Spider-Man. He's actually fought Spider-Man several times in the comics. But uh this is um this is this is interesting. I mean, they're really they're pulling deep into the bag of characters at this point. I mean, we talk about 240 characters in across the Spider-Verse and we don't even know 
who most of them are going to be. Well, El Muerto is somebody in this in this in this Marvel Spider-Man canon that, you know, who who really knew about this guy? Because how many appearances did he make in the comics? But they're going to give him a standalone movie, a full length feature film. What are your thoughts about this, especially considering where they are right now off of the heels of Morbius and what we know is coming next year with movies like Craven the Hunter and Madam Web? Mm-hmm. Web, what, what are your expectations and what are your thoughts on El Muerto fitting in this 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 new tapestry of Sony Marvel films that they're making? Yeah, man. The reason this feels so different is because I think of the star power that Bad Bunny just contains. Um, this dude is a superstar. Again, we talked to we talked to him about his what he did in, in, in wrestling in his short run slash reign, um, and again, just what he's done in music. You know, uh, he, the man sells out arenas anytime he goes on tour, and it's 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 pretty insane. Like those are crazy expensive tickets. Like this man really is legit a list celebrity. Like, and I don't think people realize that a hundred percent. So it makes this feel slightly different than kind of us talking about a Morbius a little bit. And slightly different than us talking about something like Craven, because, uh, you know, it it is closer to how we were talking about before, uh, where superstars used to drive people to go to movies, you know, to watch. And that's what this feels like. This feels like almost like The Rock, you know what I mean? Going to, people go to see The Rock. They don't go see. They don't care what the movie is. They go see The Rock. And I think people right. will show up to this because of Bad Bunny. I really do. Um, and it also works again just because we're talking about his wrestling career and the character is a wrestler it's like well shoot it's, i don't know it's just, more things are lining in this story to me of el muerto than again a lot of these other sony projects that they have lined up or have lined up um and so it, it i i'm kind of interested to be honest um because el muerto is uh, uh, again, part of the wrestling world. We don't get a lot of wrestling movies in general, um, but also that he exists. He does exist in kind of a superhero context in a superhero world. I'm interested to see what that looks like. I have n- no idea what this super... Usually, I hear about somebody. I'm like, of course I know who that is. I know exactly who that is. People, Moon Knight was announced. I said, I know who Moon Knight is. Yes, I know who She-Hulk is. Yes. I have no idea who El Muerto is. I, you got me. <laughs> You officially got neither me. do I. <laughs> you officially got me. But again, because Bad Bunny and he's a wrestler and El Muerto's a wrestler, and you know, it, it just uh, I'm I'm okay right now. I'm like, hmm. It peaks my ears up a little bit. I know a lot of people online were like, we don't want this, we don't want this. But I'm like, this is actually probably one of the things that makes more sense <laughs> that they're doing right now. Um, because they could have also not told us it was Marvel, right? Almost like when Blade first came out, a lot of people had no idea that was a Marvel movie um, until later on down the line. And so I can imagine like if they never, Sony never told us this was a Marvel product and they just was like El Muerto the movie starring Bad Bunny, people would just be like, oh, it's a wrestling movie and go see it and enjoy it. Talk about it later. But because of, you know, the nature of it, everyone's like, I wouldn't want to see this. We didn't ask for this. I'm like, you know, this is okay. So, um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm cool with it. Yeah, I I think that this is actually surprisingly a brilliant move because this is the thing. I I also saw a lot of those reactions online. A lot of people were like, well, how are you going to greenlight a movie about a character nobody wants, but there's so many Spider-Man in the universe that you could tell stories about. There's so many other Spider-Man characters. And while that may be true, you do have to recognize not only the star power of Bad Bunny, but also just the work ethic of this man. Like, if you pay attention to who Bad Bunny is and, like, what he's done, the man works Mm -hmm. his ass off. His success has not come overnight. We've seen that in the professional wrestling world. I mean, he has to be probably the best celebrity appearance in wwe that we've ever seen from a from a skill set perspective because he's such a natural and then you look at the music which is obviously what most people know him for this man is legitimately a superstar like a global phenomenon has something like nine billion streams in the past two years he's one of the most streamed artists on on spotify and on apple music the man's fan base is absolutely ridiculous so I have no doubt that just his name alone will get enough people there. Now, whether or not the movie is going to be good is an entirely different conversation because we know Sony has not had the greatest track record. What I'll say, though, is that let's just hypothetically say that the movie just doesn't turn out to be that great from a quality perspective, which we don't know. Mm. We don't we don't we don't even know the director. We don't know the screenwriter. I don't think any of that's going to fall on Bad Bunny. We know that Bad Bunny is going to commit wholeheartedly to this role. He doesn't do anything half-assed. He's going to completely right. go all in. He's going to do everything he needs to do. He's going to train. He's going to probably have some sort of like dialect coach or or, or, or language coach to be able to you know uh, deliver mm-hmm. the dialogue in the ways that it needs to be. But I think that this is a tremendous opportunity to do something you know completely different. You know, they, they if Sony continues to make these 
Spider-Man spinoff movies. I mean, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you have to dip deep into the bag and, and, and dig into those characters that have potential. And if you're going to tell a story about a character that's extremely unknown to, to, to everyone, well, you probably should get a superstar to go into that <laughs> role. And who mm-hmm. who bigger of a superstar than Bad Bunny? So I think that this is actually low-key a brilliant move. Yes, they have a track record. They have a bit of a uh, a bit of a, pers- a persona when it comes to making quality superhero films. But listen, if it, if it's even like a Venom, where mm, Venom movies mm-hmm. aren't quote unquote great, but Tom right. Hardy is great in them, exactly. that's kind of all you need. You know what I'm saying? So I think that there is there's a tremendous opportunity here. I think that this could be this could be something really 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 special. So I'm actually excited about it. And again, this is this is going to be the first. Latinx live action hero for Marvel ever from from the MCU from Sony Marvel from any Marvel film he's going to be the first live action Latinx superhero on screen uh, on the Marvel side of things and that's that's again that's another tremendous opportunity that that was not present we're finally going to see somebody be able to step into that and speak to that demographic and come from that background and really be authentic in that way so this this could this could turn out really really great for them and they have a lot of time to get this in in the shape that it needs to be Um, but speaking of Venom we also found out that Venom three is confirmed it will be happening no surprise it's in development right now we don't know anything beyond that we don't have a release date we don't have you know directors or anything like that i would imagine andy circus is going to come back and be the director because he did it i think he did a really good job on venom mm-hmm. let there be carnage that movie was tremendously successful so no surprise there i think that that was all expected um and even outside of sony we also found out that the batman 2 is going to be happening as well warner brothers confirmed you know something that we we all knew was going to happen we knew that there was going to be another batman movie matt reeves is coming back zoe kravitz is coming back and of course robert Patton, pattinson himself will be coming back for the batman 2 so i think all you know pretty positive stuff here spider-man across the spider-verse sounds extremely extremely fun el muerto great opportunity and then venom Batman more sequels are on the way so good stuff yeah. coming out of CinemaCon at this point can't wait to see all the new developments that come out later this week as well but let's go ahead and transition and talk about the reason why we're here we got to talk about episode 5 of Marvel Studios Moon Knight we've been doing these weekly reviews of course this week's mm-hmm. episode is entitled Asylum and it was directed once again by Mohamed Diab and so after last week, we had some questions about where this series was going to go, especially with the way that last week ended on a pretty tremendous cliffhanger, a really bizarre cliffhanger. And we're certainly going to get into the, the nitty gritty of this episode and talk about all of the details because there's a lot to get to for sure mm-hmm. with this penultimate episode. But before we do that, I just want to pass it over to you briefly. What were your non-spoiler high level thoughts about this episode of Moon Knight? Man, I have to say that this episode provided probably some of the best acting from Oscar Isaac that I think I've ever seen in the MCU. I was like thinking like what it meant to just perform in a in a superhero world um mainly in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and I was like this dude is going crazy in this thing. Um he was really going nuts and I I I think when I look back he'll definitely be like my top 5 favorite performances but right now Man, he it, it, it's something to be applied at what he the work he was doing in this episode. Um, you know, we'll 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 talk about this more in depth later, of course. But the 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 characters he's playing here, I think, in the earlier in the in the series, there was a little bit more to be desired, and I think this episode kind of um gave me the pieces that I was missing a little bit. I wish that they came earlier in in the series. Um, but because of that, this episode is really great to me. I know it, it, and it's because I think I was looking for some of that depth and again, in these earlier episodes, but this one, I was like, finally, this is what I was looking for. And they finally were giving me things I was interested in or answering questions that I had before, or even shoot theories that we both talked about that was coming true left and right in this episode. Um, but it, it, it just felt good um to to finally have a lot of context and for that i think this might be my favorite episode of the season um also because it's weird i love it (laughs) it is crazy weird i I mean there was all kind of stuff going on but when you think about the the stories it's trying to tell and the darkness that this episode reaches man uh again looking at the rest of the series it's like dang this is what y'all been holding on to the entire time why didn't y'all give it this this earlier and so um i i I thoroughly think i enjoyed this episode man my only very very small nitpick with it was 
some of the CGI stuff <laughs> was like, I don't know. I don't know why this looks like this. Uh, yeah, I was like, I know y'all see this, right? Like, I know y'all watched this back and was like, this might not be our greatest work. I mean, like, they went back to, like, episode one uh, because our last couple episodes have been fine. They look good. But I kind of feel like we reverted back there. But other than that, man, uh, I really enjoyed it. I love the questions that were raised by the end of it, too. Um, I just wish a lot of this had come sooner. Um, and I'm, I'm also worried for the next episode too, a little bit because they still have so much ground to make up. And I really do wish this was closer to a nine episode series still, um, than, than I do a, a six episode series. But again, overall, I think it's my favorite episode of the series so far, even how bonkers it is, um, because of the depth that it provided us. From a dramatic standpoint, this is definitely the best episode of the series. I think that you can certainly find more entertaining elements in the in the other episodes because mm-hmm. this this episode is not it's not really meant to have any senses of levity. It's not really meant to be entertaining. It's a true deep dive into the psyche of these characters and really examining the history and their pasts without getting into any of the specific details just yet. Um, and because of that, like because it leans so heavily into the drama, I mean, you did get that incredible, incredible performance from Oscar Isaac in this episode. Uh, he, his performance is both identities. Honestly, was just, it was Ooh. genuinely spectacular. I think he really yeah. stepped it up to a new level. Um, he completely owns this episode in every sense. He delivers these really deep, dramatic moments for both Mark and Steven, since he's mm-hmm. playing both of those roles. Um, and he has to do some really incredibly heavy emotional work and 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 peel back a lot of the layers that exist within this character. And and because of that, it just really it really blew me away from that perspective. I think that his performance completely carries the episode, and that's the reason mm-hmm. that. It is enjoyable. That's the reason that it is worth celebrating and praising because, I mean, he he had to go to some really, really deep and dark places in order to to kind of transcend what we know about the MCU and what we're typically used to getting with its characters. Yeah. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's not often we we're, we're able to go this deep and to really examine the psyche and the emotional state of characters. But, man, they, they really leaned into it heavily here. Um, and so I enjoyed it. I do think that it's probably the best episode of the series just from that perspective. And um there, there's a couple of you know small things for me that that kind of stick out in terms of criticisms. I agree about the CGI that that budget's obviously starting to get stretched. Then you know they have mm-hmm. to they have to spread it out over the course of six episodes. You can tell where they had to they had to make some comp- compromises, and it's clear a lot of those compromises came in this episode and back in the first episode. Um, yeah. And the only other thing for me, I guess, just you know from the from the pacing and I guess the distribution of where the focus of the episode was because this is so heavily focused on Mark and Steven and their characters. There's some, there's some elements to, to Egyptian afterlife and mythology that are introduced here, but they're kind of brushed over. We don't really get to spend much time with those thoughts and ideas. Like they're introduced, Mm. but I don't know. I guess I, I hope that they might, resurface at some point maybe we can re-examine some of these things because i think it's really cool stuff and we've seen a lot of that come up in previous episodes but some of the things here i'm like oh we're getting into really supernatural territory you know things that are just like really out of this world concepts that we can't really comprehend and i like that stuff i like that 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 real sort of existential stuff and those questions but because it's so heavily focused on mark they kind of had to brush over that stuff, which I, you know, again, I don't blame them. I would only, I would only kind of be sore about it if it doesn't come back up. I would love to see that stuff kind of reexamined and reintroduced, either in the next episode or in further Moon Knight stories that they tell in the future. Um, but with that said, let's go ahead and get into the episode and talk about the details. If you've not seen episode five of Moon Knight, this is your official spoiler warning. We're gonna get into all the plot elements of this episode, so go watch it and come back if you've not listened to it. But that's your warning. So with that said, we pick up exactly where we left off from last week. The final shot that we got last week was both Steven and Mark inside of this psychiatric ward asylum. Mm-hmm. And they run into uh Towerwet or Tower. I think I think the pronunciation is Tuerit, um, who is this hippopotamus, uh, an Egyptian guide. They're completely freaked out. They're screaming. Uh, I think a lot of the audience is probably also freaked out. But here we're picking up exactly where we left off from last week's episode. And we're getting some 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 really good exposition about what's happening with their characters. And to where it explains that both Mark and Steven are actually dead. And that the hospital that they're currently in is the Egyptian underworld. But it's not the Egyptian underworld. It's a it's an Egyptian underworld. It's mm-hmm. one underworld that exists across, you know, an infinite amount of underworlds. It's not just one place. Mm-hmm. And here we actually get our first 
I think our first MCU reference at all on this show. She actually references wow. the ancestral plane, which we saw introduced in Black Panther a few years ago. So that was really cool. Um, and I, I like that concept that there are multiple underworlds. There's just not one. And mm-hmm. this hospital is, is basically, it, it's manifested itself as a hospital because the underworld in which you travel to, it sort of takes, it takes the shape of something that, that that's really closely identified to your life and, and things that are close to you. And she also begins to explain that their hearts have to get weighed on the scales of justice to determine whether or not that they can enter the field of reeds, which is the, the afterlife's paradise. And she ultimately finds that their hearts are incomplete. And so they have to, they have to uncover what hidden memories exist between the two and really just do the work to unpack this, this, this past traumatic history that they both are carrying in order to get their hearts in the place that they can actually be considered complete to enter the afterlife. And here's where I want to get into the first conversation um, to dive into the episode. And that's, that's sort of, that's sort of Mark's past and, and him becoming a mercenary and becoming Moon Knight because for much of the series, Steven has been really in the driver's seat. We've gotten to spend, I think, the mm-hmm. most time with Steven, and a lot of it has been told from his perspective, especially that's how the series started off. But now we're completely diving into Mark Spector as the person and finding out that this is truly this is truly his body, this is truly his existence, mm-hmm. and all of these all of these different personalities and things that have occurred over his life have been things that have, he's created, which we'll talk more about. But most importantly, we see when he becomes Moon Knight. And we see the moment that mm-hmm. Khonshu chooses him as the Avatar. And we see the moment that he's at the archaeological dig where we find out Layla's father was killed. So we're getting all of that story filled in. We also get a shot inside the hospital, this room of the people that he's been responsible for killing. They're all sort of sitting in this room looking like corpses. It's really creepy. And so it's a really fascinating sort of look into the past of Mark, I think as a character, but as you were seeing that all unfold, what, what, what were your thoughts and how did you feel just about all of the history of Mark Spector finally being filled in for us here? Yeah. One thing that was really super interesting about seeing kind of Mark make that pact with Khonshu to do his bidding was how different it looked than the comics. Um, that, that is one of the only things I think I've ever seen in a Moon Knight comic was the one where he actually becomes Moon Knight. So seeing Mark, seeing, seeing them lean into the supernatural more is so interesting to me because in the, in the comic, he just kind of like throws the, the cloak over his shoulders. He's like, I'm Moon Knight now. But this is like, I now have powers and I am you know, morphing into Moon Knight. And Conchie was like, you will be my Moon Knight. I love that voice, by the way. It was it was really cool. Um, but it, it it's just really cool to see, I think, Marvel switching it up a little bit to make it more supernatural. Again, we kind of talked about before how, how um, Moon Knight was closer to a Batman-type character, right? I used to make his own things. But they're like, no. Let's lean into the supernatural um, and, and, and make him more of a of a cosmic being in a way uh, by, again, doing the bidding of a moon god. Um, and so I, I thought that was really cool stuff there. But also seeing just just the things that Mark has had to go through finally. Right. Because we've we've always seen Mark kind of be so, uh, uh, you know, he's always kept to himself so much. You know, he, he's always he never tells the story fully. Uh, he, he's always hiding something all the time. And so we're finally, we were finally able to see, okay, this is how we became Moon Knight. This is the, the, the excavation in which it happens. This is when he was with all the other archeologists in which it happened. This is the time in which it happened. It's like, dude, you could have just told us all this at some point, right? Like this isn't like some of this stuff. Of course, some of it is super dark and stuff that he locked away, but some of his other stuff is like, Dude, just just tell us how this happened, and it, and everything will be okay. But um, you know, it, it, when you get when you start peeking into his his character, you you start to understand why he locks you know certain things away. And so um, yeah, it was just really cool to see. I think um, to to see how Mark Spector is a full character because one of the things that was not necessarily fully taking me off the show before was that we were we were asked to be invested in half of a character. Um, and that was a really hard thing to do. I think for anybody watching the show, you're like, man, I'm rooting for Steven, but am I rooting for Mark? Am I rooting for Mark? rooting for Steven? And I think this episode, the more layers that you pull back, um, with, with, with Mark, you, you start to, you start to kind of root for him a little bit too, because you, you understand the, the things that he's gone through. And so, um, again, just a really cool sequence, uh, seeing him turn into Moon Knight here. I thought it was dope. 
Yeah, this is where it uh, it sheds some light again on the, also the relationship between him and Kanchu because we've often sort of been been sort of poking have poking fun at, at Kanchu because of the, the the crazy wild things he says and just the way he's you know so he's very cut and dry. It's like you either do this or mm-hmm. you don't. Kill them. Period. Like that's it. Like he's very much to the point. Um, like you would I guess expect an Egyptian guy to be. And in the moment where you actually see Kanchu having that dialogue with Mark while he's bleeding out on the steps at this archaeological dig after after Bushman has, you know, sort of assassinated all of these people, including Layla's father. Uh, I think Steven is, is, is really he's really integral in that scene because he kind of he kind of enlightens Mark to the fact that, yeah, Kanchu took advantage of you in this moment. You know, you were in a moment of weakness. You were dying. You didn't really have a, have an alternative. And. He was also about to kill himself, which I was very surprised to see that imagery yeah. included in a Disney Darkness. Plus series. Like he's putting a gun to his chin, about to off himself. Now we know that it's not going to happen, of course, based on the story. But even that imagery was was really striking. But uh, Kanchu sees him in that moment, and he's asking him these questions, like, "Will you do my bidding?" And also, Kanchu can see that Mark already has a fractured mind. So he's the perfect person to be his avatar because mm-hmm. there's almost a, a sense of, of of need that Mark probably has for Kanchu, not only because he's dying, but also just because his mind is is a, it, it, it's it's not able to rest. It's not a, it's not able to be at peace. And so it, I think it makes the whole relationship between Kanchu and Mark a little bit a little bit darker. And mm-hmm. it kind of speaks to what Arthur had been saying to Steven for a lot of the series, like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. you know, I used to be I used to be his avatar and he already knew the things that Kanchu would say to Steven. He already knew the the, the vernacular he was using because mm-hmm. Kanchu's kind of just there to get what he wants. He doesn't, I don't know if he really cares about Mark. He just really wants to utilize him to do his bidding, which, uh, you know, it, it puts a lot of things in perspective about their relationship. And even towards the end of the episode, after Steven is, you know, presumably dead because he falls off the ship and Mark is left alone, to where it asks him, like, you know, do you really want to go back to, to Kanchu's service? Mm. Is that something you really want to do? Um, mm. And maybe he does because there's a sense of protectiveness that he can that he can get from that. But I think I think it's a poignant question to ask him because his mind just still isn't free. You know, he has a lot that he's dealing with and, and, and being of service to Kanchu doesn't really mm. help that out as well. So I thought that that stuff was was really cool to see. And Outside yeah. of the imagery of seeing him become Moon Knight for the first time, we didn't get Moon Knight in this episode. Again, it was also it was also focused on on Stephen and Mark and, and their relationship in particular. Um, let, let's move on and talk about a lot of this episode revolving around Mark's family and the backstory with that, because there was so much information kind of dumped on us here that we we really weren't mm-hmm. privy to before, and it, it it's really enlightening to see because it, it reveals a lot about Mark as a character, the choices that he made, how we got to this place, and how we ended up here. So we ultimately find out that Mark has a younger brother named Randall, and while they were out one day, they were in a cave that had water. It was like a river within a cave. His younger brother ended up drowning, unfortunately, and his mother is blaming him for the death of his younger brother. She mm. spirals, essentially. She goes to a really dark place. It's insinuated that she becomes an alcoholic. She becomes depressed. She's very torn up about the loss of her youngest son because Mark is the older brother. Understandably so, but she takes a lot of that hatred and that fury out on Mark specifically. She very much yeah. blames him for the death of the of the younger brother, so he's carrying this guilt and also the hate of his mother. In addition to that, his father is... A nice and gentle person who's still loving and still affectionate to Mark, but not not the protector that he probably needs him to be in these moments when his mother is abusing him, which is very clearly communicated throughout this episode. It's really, really mm-hmm. traumatic stuff that we're visiting here in this episode. Again, unlike anything we've seen out of any MCU media prior to this, uh, what were your thoughts just on unpacking all of that stuff out, out of seeing the relationship with Mark and his family, his father and his mother specifically, and also his younger brother, Randall? Man, this is close to, again, some of the darkest stuff we've ever gotten in the MCU, besides Thanos wiping out half of humanity. But it's like, you know, one of those things that when you think of, you you think you know someone's trauma and then you see someone's trauma and it's two completely different things. Um, in, in here, it was, it's just so crazy to see, you know, how, it, this is literally the definition of hurt people hurt people. Um and how so much blame can be misplaced 
uh, uh, just in the world of emotions and in drama and all of that, man. It was really sad to see, especially, bro, this man's mom was blaming him for the death, death of his brother. And what's even crazier is the abusiveness you know, that, that came over her was, I mean, she got the strap off the wall. Like it was in his room, like just laying in there, like ready for her to like, Oh, it's that time. Open the door. And, and, you know, she just comes in and that's it. That's it. Um, and that was a really hard moment to watch. Right. Especially a lot of black kids, man, you know, a lot of us done got whipped with belts and all switches, cords, all kind of stuff. So a lot of men, me watching it, I was like, damn, it's a little bit PTSD in this. Um, very triggering. (laughs) <laughs> very triggering but for her to have such a different you know outlet lashing out on him because she's blaming him for the death of his brother something completely different still you know it is really some dark stuff um what what i'm afraid to see later on down the line is that we figure out somehow that it really was mark somehow that was was uh the the purpose for the death of his brother uh because again oh, i have some spec I, I have some weird speculation that Mark can control weather elements um, because Contra has been with him this entire time, technically, in, in, in small ways. And so if, if that's the case, that's some dark stuff that's like, yeah, he actually was the cause of that, but it, but it was an accident. I'm afraid that could come out at some point. Um, but seeing, do you know how like something has to hurt you so much that you create a, a personality for it? Cause that's exactly what's happening here. I mean, the, he he didn't want this woman to be his mother so bad that he created Stephen. And you know, we it, it it makes even it even makes episode one feel that much more different because the episode opens with him talking to his mom on the phone. He has literally made up a woman in his mind that is not his mom. Um, and uh, you know, again, we find out she passed, but a lot of that. That hurt, man, and that guilt is like starting to make sense. It's like, of course, you would make Stephen Grant this alternative, you know, this this alternative personality. One to get away from his mother, but two because Stephen Grant had a buddy with him. You know, the the Stephen Grant that we see in Tomb Busters had a buddy with him and his brother. So Stephen acts as a kind of a two for one for 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 Mark here. You you want to get away from your mom? You make Steven. You want to you want to you want to remember being what it's like to being with your brother, having that adventure? You make Steven. And so it's it's just really crazy to kind of think about how all this can can manifest into uh not only a, a whole personality, but a whole character that we've been watching since the beginning of the TV show. It's really it's a lot of deep stuff here um to unpack, man, but man, it's 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 a lot. I mean, they covered some significant ground. One of the one of the things that I mentioned last week in terms of things that I was concerned about was me not caring about these characters, in particular, mm-hmm. Mark, Steven. Like, yes, this adventure and this journey has been interesting to follow along with. But how invested am I really into Mark and Steven? And now I think it becomes so obvious that we really with Moon Knight as a series, we really came into this story in like the third act of of a much larger, much more expansive, much more complex saga about Mark's entire life. Like this is literally from his youth to now that that we're seeing this this all of these events take place and we didn't get this in the in the in the series premiere. You know, we're just now getting it as the series is about to wrap up. They're going back and filling in those pieces. To, to enlighten us as an audience and to also shed light on the relationship between Steven and Mark. And I wonder if that was the best choice. Like I get yeah. it as a, as a device because this is, this is kind of the knockout punch. This is like the Oh shit moment of the series where it's like, mm-hmm. wow, that's what he's been through. That's what this all is. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. But I think from the perspective of a television series, it's interesting because I wonder if, if as a film, is this, if this might have worked better because you're sitting you're sitting with the film in one sitting it's you know mm-hmm. two hours maybe two and a half hours you get the full completion of the story in that moment but week to week it's a little bit different and so yeah. I just wonder if maybe the structure of the show if if played with a little bit differently would that have changed the opinions of people in terms of what they think mm-hmm. about the character how invested they are specifically me I should say I'm, I should speak for myself but be that as it may, the stuff that we saw, I mean, it's so traumatic and it's sad to see yeah. it unfold. It's really, it's really, really heartbreaking because 
I mean, here here's a family that seemed perfectly normal. They seemed perfectly loving and affectionate towards each other before this event took place, before the flooding and and and, and the drowning of his younger brother. But that just completely ripped their family apart. It, it tore them to to the utter foundations of what they what they were. And it's and it's really sad to see. And I said this also last week that this show actually has a lot more in common with WandaVision than we might have initially perceived because in episode eight of WandaVision, that penultimate episode we were taken on a journey through Wanda's memories and, and, and it ultimately revealed, you know, this, this new title of her being become, becoming the Scarlet Witch. We, we, we found out a lot of information in her past with her relationship with her brother and her parents and how she became the Scarlet Witch and how she was able to be mm-hmm. able to, 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 to withhold this power for so long and be able to contain it within herself. But Moon Knight is sort of using this episode to, to unveil the roots of Mark's dissociative identity disorder, which I know we've been wondering how they were going to address that in this show, how they were going to bring it up and how they were going to mention it. And I got to say, I think that they did it in a really delicate way, in a mm-hmm. way that makes sense. It's, it's, it's comprehensible, you know, in terms of, of us as an audience, you know, maybe those people who were not as familiar with the, with the disorder. I think it makes sense from that perspective while also still being very delicate to the story, to people that actually deal with that. Um, yeah. That mental illness and and, and, and and what it actually might feel like in the moment, you know, the thought that this could just be used as a defense mechanism from a person who is literally beating you uh, probably very often as well. The person that's supposed to love and protect you as well. So, you know, it's even interesting you say that because, yeah, watching that, it's like, yeah, that kind of reminds me of my childhood. And I, I don't want to compare plights, but not only is he getting beaten, you know, with a belt, but there's legit hate behind that. Like, it's not him. It's not him getting beat for, right. oh, you didn't wash the dishes or you didn't take out the trash or you mm-hmm. broke something. She's doing it because she legit resents her own child at this point. And mm-hmm. that stuff isn't always explicitly said, but man, it's 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 so well communicated visually throughout these scenes. And again, it's just so heartbreaking to see that stuff. And, and the fact that he was able to create this entire personality based off of that is is really striking and, and really, I think, gutsy on the part of Marvel to go that deep into this character and to really unpack that. And, uh, you know, they're also, they're pulling inspiration from, from comic runs, but I think injecting their own unique ideas at the same time. Um, I think we should, you know, sort of mention and talk about the creation of Steven while we're here, because yeah, also his reaction to all of this is a big piece of it. You know, while mm-hmm. we're finding out a lot about Mark and his upbringing and what happened during his childhood, Steven is also finding out like, I'm truly not a real person. I am I am mm-hmm. a figment of this person's imagine, imagination. I am a I'm a personality living within this body that's been created, but I'm not right. real. You know, Stephen Stephen even says, "All this time I thought I was the original, but I'm just something you made up." You know, he's he's dealing with this in real time and and he's pulling the inspiration from from the Tomb Buster movie, taking that character and creating this new amalgamation of a person who's supposed to be fearless, who can live unconcerned and carefree mm-hmm. and, and and live a normal life that mark was not afforded and steven man his also the, the reaction he has in those moments is really telling and again oscar isaac being able to, to to bring that life through the performance is really is really interesting as well but i think i think steven equally because mm-hmm. he is the person we follow for so long also seeing him you know sort of come to the real, realization that he's he's just not real is, is also just equally is is sad to see as, yeah. as mark's childhood yeah man it's it's one of the the cool details I think about this episode is uh, just the costume in general, right? We see that Mark has on the white, and everybody else in the asylum has on white. Um, but when you see Stephen, Stephen is the one that has on the blue. So it's like, oh, Stephen maybe be the one, might be the one that's not real, right? Um, even last week I kind of talked about how he, he had to pull Stephen out the sarcophagus rather than Mark coming out the sarcophagus because he is kind of that made up personality. I think that's they they've been doing good in some of those uh, those really small details, which I appreciate too. But it's it, it has it's it was already I think an interesting way to go about the series by introducing us. To the personality that's not real, um, ah, it's 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 really crazy to think about when you go back. You're like, man, this whole time, this not it's not even the original person. Like, what are we even, you know, really watching? Um, it's a cool idea. I don't know if it works 100, percent you know, in in the course of the show, but it's a really cool idea, I think, um, to introduce us to to, to Stephen that way because he is the one that we're led to care about. A little bit more than Mark, right? Because we think Mark is the ruthless and he does all this. And we think they 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 give us Steven as by means of the innocent one. 
the one who does want to go on dates, even though I think that was Jake Lockley that set that up, but the one who does want to go on dates or the one that does, you know, just love Egyptian everything, you know, and the one that he, he's really happy-go-lucky and he, he, he exists kind of, uh, again, in, in a very, uh, again, just more innocent state than, than, than Mark does. And so he, he it's easy to be like just to root for Steven a little bit more. And it's heartbreaking for us, too, when he finds out that he's not the real one because you're just like, dang, bro, we've been watching you more than we've been watching Mark the entire series. And, and, and you're telling us you're the one that's been technically should be in the backseat. Um, yeah. And so it, it, it's just really sad uh, to see. And I think to, to your point, it was the thing that makes us it made us care, you know, about uh, uh, his character. Of course, this this episode was also made like, to be like, wow. We care about Mark for these reasons because we see his how he he went through his trauma, but now we see Stephen, and we go, and we have to you know kind of um, um, identify with him in in uh, in ways that we kind of couldn't identify before with before because he didn't know that he wasn't the real one, even though we kind of had speculation and we kind of knew. But we again, Oscar Isaac's doing amazing work here, man. You kind of see it break. In his head, when when Arthur, Doctor Arthur Harrow, whatever he is, in the psychiatric ward, puts the phone up and goes, "This it's your mom." And he goes, "But she's dead. It's not. That's not really my mom on the phone." You it, you break too a little bit because it's not only Mark who who had that realization long ago. It's Stephen who was talking to his mom at the beginning of the very, very beginning of the series who was coming to that realization now that his Mark had or that his mom had been dead for so long. So it, it, it it's, it's a lot, man. It's 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 definitely heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think uh, you know this 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 sort of crucible that Mark and Stephen go on in this episode was necessary in order to truly get to the root of the truth. But you just can't help but feel for Stephen because there is like a sense of betrayal that Mark has withheld this information for so long, and we 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 kind of speculated about that last week. Like, well, what else is Mark? not telling and not revealing because he kept that information from Layla about her father for so long. I mean, this man is just, he's, he truly has a lot of skeletons in his closet that he's been, that he's been keeping um, at bay from these people and call it, call it what you will, whether it's out of a sense of protectiveness or a sense of, you know, sort of shielding people from, from this, this hurt and this pain that they might have to have to expose themselves to, but mm. they have to reckon with it at some point anyway, especially as they're on this journey. And so it was, uh, it was really telling to see all of that stuff, especially like the moment where you kind of see it all converge. Like you mentioned the, the, the shit, the Shiva that had, that took place in, Sh in Chicago after the death of Mark's mother. And that was kind of the moment that Steven and Mark's life's, began to blend together because Steven started to have those conversations to this woman that he thought was his mom that, you know, he thought was alive. And so even that, that sort of triumvirate and of the relationship, like the mother, Steven and Mark, like that is, that's so central, you know, these three and how that, how that intersects with, intersects with the creation of, of this new personality is just, it's, it's wild. It's really wild when you, when you really think about it. So again, I, I think that this is, this is the most, this is the most, you know, noteworthy piece of, the, of this episode just because of how emotionally deep they decide to go with this stuff. And again, these are like newly created ideas. There's some stuff that is pulled from the comics, but from what I know, the death of his mother and this 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 abusiveness and also the brother aspect and Randall, you know, sort of dying mm -hmm. at this young age were not things from the comics. And so the writers and the creators of the series, I, I have to commend them for really injecting so much pathos behind all yeah. of this to really get us to care about both of these characters. Um, even even though it might be a little bit later in this stage of the game. Um, we should also, you know, just kind of look towards next week as well because what what happens at the end of the episode is they they return to the to the ship with Tererit as as they're as she's guiding it and they've they've gone through this this really traumatic experience of revisiting the past they come to terms with each other even though there's there's definitely hurt feelings but mm -hmm. the scale still fails to balance they they have not figured that out and then the ship gets attacked by some hostile you know sort of spirits of the underworld mm -hmm. this is definitely where i think a lot of the the more action heavy elements come in where the CGI starts to look a little shaky and it's like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this is the stuff that doesn't look that great. And I, I have to say, I thought it was also a little convenient that they had the conversation with to and she was like, well, you know, I guess I could technically return you to life. I, I could return you to, to, to the real world. You know, if we, if we're, if we're, if we're able to get to the field or whatever, whatever it was, I thought that that was a little convenient because they are technically dead at this point And now they, they have a path to, to, to return. Um, but, 
Steven falls overboard. He lands on the sand and he sort of freezes um, in the sand and he's consumed by, I think it's called the duad. He's consumed by it. Um, and then the scales ultimately become balanced. And, and then we see at the very end of the episode that Mark Spector is in the field of reeds that to where it spoke about it's this paradise in the Egyptian afterlife. Um, so we're kind of just left on that cliffhanger. We're not really knowing what's going to come next, but what do you suspect? Because I think at this point, there are still a lot of questions that need to be answered. There's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that we haven't addressed. The first thing I want to ask you, because I think we, we need to spend some time on this as we look towards the, 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 the finale next week, because we've talked about Jake Lockley as like a third yeah. potential personality mm-hmm. that was still not fully revealed in this episode. And so do you think that this realistically is something that's going to get introduced in the, in the finale? You know, I think considering all the other things that they potentially have to wrap up, like we have to find out like, okay, is Stephen Grant truly dead? Mm-hmm. What's going on with Layla? What is the situation with Arthur Harrow in this psychiatric war? Like, is it is it not real? What's happening at the at the at the tomb of of, of Alexander the Great where they were last seen all together? Mm-hmm. Khonshu was also a big force at play here. The Egyptian guys that we saw earlier in the series. There's a lot of stuff, and here we are again ahead of a finale, wondering mm-hmm. can they wrap it all up successfully? Um, so specifically with the Jake Lockley situation. Do you realistically think that that's somebody that they'll introduce in the finale with all of these other things that they need to take care of? You know, I have this really weird feeling that even though we do somewhat leave Steven um, behind in this in this episode, that we'll need I still feel like we'll need all three pieces in order to overcome what's happening above an author. And, and, and I mean, I really do. And I don't I don't know if we'll get Jake early at all um i don't know if we'll get him for long but i still have a feeling he's like this small little piece that we're not talking about that'll be introduced really fast in order to overcome um the evil that's kind of going on because i don't i don't think they would have put him in that sarcophagus last episode for no reason um i think there will be some kind of weird payoff uh that'll happen and they'll introduce him i just don't know how yet um but i do think we'll get him man uh there there is so much to be done and i am super extra worried uh, especially, you know, you talked about before how Oscar Isaac, we don't know what the heck he has going on after this, right? We don't, he hasn't signed on anything. He ain't really said yes, but he really hasn't said no either. And I think that's all intentional to keep us guessing too. Is like, man, is this dude, like what, what does next episode bring? And it's just so hard to tell because again, the field of reads, man, I don't know what the heck that meant. I was like, I guess we're here. What, like now what happens? Like <laughs> the story's over, period. Story's over. And- yeah. And so I, I I really didn't know um, um, what was to happen next. So Jake Lockley of it all, there's no way to be 100%, but I, I still feel like they'll give us a little something in that next episode because, um, yeah, just because I, I feel like that is going to be um, one of the things, one of the things that was planted in order to help us get where we need to get in next episode. But I don't know, man, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, at this at this stage of the game, I honestly think it it would kind of be strange to introduce him at this point because they haven't mm-hmm. like yes they they they've teased it they've never fully confirmed that it's him. It could be a total misdirect possibly, but I think it would be strange to bring him in at this point. At mm-hmm. best, I think for me, best case scenario, that is an 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 in credits tag that we see after the finale that sets up whatever may come next whether Mm -hmm. it's whether it does turn out to be another season whether it's a movie whether moon knight is going to team up with another character and be a part of that franchise Mm -hmm. we like you mentioned we just don't know with the with the state of oscar isaac for me i think that's the best case scenario because with all of these other pieces at play just randomly introducing jake lockley uh i I just i don't know how you make that make sense and, and, and really do justice to everything because so much work was done with steven and mark specifically in this episode and that is the central focus and then you add in these other elements like Layla, like Arthur and and the Egyptian gods and and all of that stuff. Ahmed, like there's there's so many things that just kind of felt left behind, like the past two episodes kind of left a lot of the initial stuff behind, like this whole search for Ahmed was put on the back burner, I felt like, because we had to really explore Layla. And again, 
I just wonder if the six episode stuff is just it doesn't make sense. Like, why are we doing six episodes if it's clearly mm-hmm. there's a lot of story that can be told here? I think that there's more. This this feels like to me. I'm not a writer. I haven't ru- written a screenplay. I haven't directed anything in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But this feels like at least two more episodes. Like it could go eight yeah. episodes and really mm-hmm. really give us some more in depth character moments with all of these different things that exist here. But I don't know. You know, I could be totally wrong. Next week could could absolutely deliver. I say that every time and it never does deliver with these MCU shows. So I'm always <laughs> left disappointed by the end, but I'm going to hold out some optimistic hope to see. Um, what, what about Arthur? You know, cause he's also, there's, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some presence from him that still felt we, we see him pop up randomly throughout this episode as quote unquote, Dr. Harrow. He's sort of the leader in the psychiatric ward um, that, that is, that is seeing Steven and, and taking care of him and talking to him in sort of a therapeutic psychiatric fashion. But we also know that the real Arthur in the real world, at least from what we're led to believe, is a little bit more sinister, has been searching for this tomb, has just killed Mark at the end of episode four. And mm-hmm. so now we're just kind of left to wonder, well, what's going to happen with that? What's going to be the big conflict? Is he still going to find out what's going on with the with the tomb of Alexander the Great? Is Amit going to actually be resurrected or not? I don't know. I, I just don't know because there's so many balls in the air with with arthur's character and what that resolution is going to be and i'm even wondering if he's going to die like is is, mm. is his is his fate the end in the next episode because this is not a guy you want to really fuck around with like if he's mm. left alive or if he's left as a free man he's going to do some damage so i just i just wonder what, where they take his character next next episode as well well look like Ahmed is free um according to miss uh how, how you say it to wear it to wear it to wear it yeah according to to wear it she i mean the souls was flying free is what it looked also like true, i yeah. i wanted to see what was going on above ground but it really seemed like it really seemed like arthur harrow uh had freed Amit and some of those souls you know hadn't been balanced so well uh, and, and was coming down on on that plane and so man i think he's already up there wreaking havoc which again is was why this panic is so important is, is why she was so so much in panic she said what the hell is going on here and he was like hey do you do you now understand <laughs> why we need to get back up there and so you know there i have so much hope um that you know she's able to get that message to 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 um i keep want to say Haley. um get to get that message to uh above ground so they can free conscience. Oh, Layla. Uh yeah. Layla. Yeah, I don't know. I get Layla, Haley, I don't know. Switch the letters around. Mm-hmm. Um to get that message to her in order to free uh Conchu because it's it it seems like it's cracking up there. And again to your point, if it is cracking up there, I just don't see them getting back and all of this happening and this and that in whatever less than 60 minutes that we have yeah, next yeah. week it's just like there's just simply no way now it would be really cool if they finally did decide to go from tv show to movie somebody do it we talked about dc won't do it ever do it why just come on y'all y'all can do it go from tv show to movie anybody just one time i mean we talk about all i mean stranger things could have done it game of thrones could have done it all these people could have done it but uh, it would be really cool to have a moon knight movie after be introduced to the character this way are they going to do it probably not that's again that's way too much hope. <laughs> right <laughs> but it would just be cool though because like you said we have at least two more episodes left but i can even imagine a world in which you give us an hour and a half with a real mcu budget and you make this thing crazy right we have the villain you've introduced us to the superhero give us an hour and a half two hours of some cool mcu-ness um and and yeah i just again big feeling that it's not going to happen with all the things happening in, in the mcu currently but it would just be really cool to see and so i i know arthur's wreaking havoc up there however the heck moon knight comes back Mark comes back, Jake comes back, Steven comes back. They're gonna have a lot of lot of stuff to do on their hands. Um and so yeah, it's just all really crazy and in and, and interesting. And I hope um I hope we get to see that next week. I hope we we see like Arthur Harrow freeing Amit and Amit's like, Well, time for these souls to fly, and then it's just a bunch of bunch of stuff going down. But we'll we'll see. Sounds like another massive third act <laughs> CGI battle yes. that we have become so accustomed to with <laughs> not only the MCU, it's not just exclusively an MCU thing. I don't want to sound like that, but with a lot of superhero films, mm-hmm. it's an all-out brawl at the end with a lot of CGI characters and yep. beams of 
energy hitting the sky. <laughs> you know, it looks just like Ghostbusters. I, I, I'm getting those vibes for sure. And I really don't. I really don't want that, y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's just so not interesting to me anymore, especially because we get so much MCU stuff these days. We get so much media from the MCU films and TV shows. Like, how many times are we just going to have a huge epic battle with all the main characters converging on one place and everybody's just not killing each other and there's no blood flying? I just don't. I really don't want to see that. And I have a a lingering suspicion that, that that might be the case. Everything you said probably is going to be true because mm. the souls have been freed and nope. something has to give. And there's no way we're not going to see Moon Knight, like actual Moon Knight next week. I think that right. that's that's certainly going to be brought back. So Moon Knight's going to be whooping ass. And, you know, exactly. Arthur's probably going to be fighting and all of his minions are going to be fighting. And maybe the Egyptian deities get involved, which kind of makes me wonder what happens with them and Khonshu because Khonshu is still technically... He's still technically trapped in the in the Ushapti, you know, that they put him in. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they let him out, maybe maybe to aid in this battle. Maybe 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 the Egyptian guys decide like, oh, this was bad. We didn't catch Arthur when we probably (laughs) should have listened to him. Now we have to free him. Mm -hmm. Actually, now that I say that, that's probably what's going to happen, which is a little too predictable. But I I was wondering, like, well, what happens to Khonshu and the the relationship with Mark? But yeah. It probably it's probably him getting released in order to aid in this battle, this inevitable battle that'll take place. And I guess I guess Kanchu and Mark continue their relationship. I guess that they mm-hmm. continue to sort of be a service of each other, more so Mark being a service of Kanchu. That's kind of seem seems like where it'll go at this point. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just gonna have to happen. I uh, I don't see it happening any other way. If they do, I'd be pleasantly surprised. Um, and that's that's all fine and dandy. I'd even be surprised. If they somehow set up a second season, you know, like this is, uh, of course, this is unprecedented for MCU TV shows so far, right? Everything is kind of bleeding into into these movies here. WandaVision is going to bleed into Doctor Strange. Loki might also bleed into Doctor Strange slash Quantumania. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything's kind of bleeding into. But what does Moon Knight bleed into? And I think that's the, one of the biggest questions that they're going to have to answer next week is where do we go from here um, in terms of the TV show? Because I don't. I just can't foresee a finite ending. I really can't. No matter what happens in the episode, the CGI battle, the I, I just have. I, that's just the biggest question I have for sure. Is 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 where does this lead? Um, and I think that's also on people's minds. Um, again, because everything is leading into something else. Even we know it hasn't come out yet, but Miss Marvel will kind of lead into the Marvels. You know what I mean? Everything kind of has a place within these MCU shows. Even what if again? What, Doctor Strange, and so it's like, what, what, where is this going? And so I, I can't wait to figure that out. That's probably my most anticipated thing for next week. Again, besides hopefully seeing Moon Knight whoop somebody's ass, is probably um, <laughs> seeing that happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I certainly think that uh, this was a, a needed detour for this show. That it had to go in these different directions in order to truly get us as an audience invested into the characters and into the purpose of this entire story. I'm also glad that they didn't go the route of, oh yeah, everything you saw up until this point is not truly real. That's not the impression mm-hmm. that I get. Like all of the stuff that did happen is indeed real. It did happen. It's just you know this this detour was sort of necessary to really examine the spirits and the and the history and the past of Mark Spector. Um, and, and, you know, also Stephen Grant as well. And so I think that this stuff is helpful to help, you know, frame just the, the, the character's existence and why he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I just kind of, I kind of wonder about the structure of the show, not only in the way that they told the story, but also in the fact that we, we only have a, a finite amount of time and we just don't know what the future holds. We don't know where it'll go next. It would be a bombshell if they just dropped in the end credits tag, like, moon Knight movie coming 2025 or something like that i mean that would be Mm -hmm. that would set the internet ablaze because we haven't gotten that before exactly like you said probably not likely i think uh maybe a post-credit tag will just give us some sort of sense of of where they go maybe similar to shang chi like at the time of shang chi releasing we didn't exactly know that it it was going to get a sequel but we did see in the Mm post-credit scenes like oh there's a future here that they can examine whether it be in a shang chi sequel or if it's in some sort of spinoff which i suspect is going to be a Ten Rings series mm-hmm. or movie that we ultimately get. I'm hoping that they can do something similar here, which the MCU has always found a way to do. They've always managed to be able to set those pieces up pretty cleverly in the past. And so 
I at least expect that out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the quality of the episode, that's a whole other thing that we will litigate next week because that is always the most interesting aspect to it. Right. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, those are our thoughts on episode five of Moon Knight, the penultimate episode. If you've seen this episode, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. And that'll do it for this episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank you again for tuning into another podcast. We are officially down and out. We will be back this upcoming Tuesday with a very special episode. We're doing something a little bit different in celebration of the release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Drum roll, please. We're going to be doing a Multiverse of Madness cameo draft. That's right. We're going to be doing a cameo draft picking who we think will most likely appear in the upcoming Marvel movie. And I'm telling y'all, it's going to be fun. It's going to be crazy. Definitely tune in to find out all the rules and logistics of what that's going to be. We're going to be dropping that on Tuesday. And then, of course, we'll be back next Thursday to talk about the finale of Moon Knight Episode 6. When we get that next week on Disney+, Plus. we'll be back to review that. So until then, y'all, keep it locked with Two Black Nerds, and we'll see y'all next time. Yes, 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 y'all. With that being said, we are Audi 5000. This is the year of 2022 Black Nerds. And remember, always bet on black. I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. Over Two Black too nerdy and we out y'all peace oh, and I'm just in my this is a real this how i run tell my friends and folks that i'm on all right don't know when i'm coming home things might change but i'm cool with it flying high